when we got it and, and began to roll out some of the activity, people were saying, oh, it's another skill survey, you know, and we do enough of these and we've seen similar plans in the past and what what's different about this one? And it's a, it's a valid question we got asked. I think first and foremost, if you look at what the LSIP is actually about and what its purpose is for, DFE have been quite clear on this and they're saying it is really to help identify, you know, technical FE post-16 skills, training skills needs in local areas that actually respond and address what the local labour market needs. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Talking Recruitment Podcast. It's your host Neil Carberry here and I'm about to serve up some thought-provoking discussion with the leading voices in the sector. Keep listening as we delve into the hottest issues in recruitment and staffing right now. I hope you're having a great week so far and what we're going to do over the next half hour or so is dig into another issue uh, and uh, look at uh, the impact on recruiters market, the needs of our clients and also the candidates that we're trying to find great uh, opportunities for in their career. So I'm looking forward to that. Today we, uh, we'll be taking up a, a, a topic that we talked a bit about recently with uh, Fiona Aldridge from the West Midlands Combined Authority, which is in getting involved in skills development to address candidate shortages in uh, in local areas wherever you are. But before we jump into that, uh, a few uh, notes from uh, from REC Towers. Uh, if you are uh, looking at on the lookout for the latest data, we published a report on jobs just recently. Uh, that's the March data really interesting there where we're starting to see a bit of a bifurcation in both temp and perm in in terms of what's going on on the perm side after six months of a dropping market maybe that drop just slowing a little bit uh, but still at quite a high activity level so a bit of a turn maybe there on the temp side still growing but clearly more difficult in light industrial in logistics uh, in parts of driving than it has been for a while so we're always really interested in what you are seeing on the ground in your market it helps us inform what we're doing in terms of how we support you but also our advocacy and campaigning so do get in touch with any feedback in terms of dates for your diary lots going on at uh, the REC at the moment uh, the uh, regular standards webinar is on the 27th of April so do check check that out online if you want to focus in on your compliance and all the, also the regulatory uh, challenges that you have. Uh, Lorraine Laurie and our standards team leading the way there. We also have our health and social care group coming up on the 2nd of May. So if you're supplying into health or to social care, come along to that. I know there's a lot of uh, frustration there about the nature and structure of some of the frameworks and certainly the framework rate adjustments recently where I think it's fair to say government's been a bit uh, penny wise and pound stupid in terms of their approach. And we've been work doing a lot of work to try and have a broader discussion allied to the upcoming uh, NHS uh, workforce plan to try and get agency properly uh, structured within the NHS workforce plan with a sustainable approach to frameworks. Other big things, well, we love to get out on the road. I was down in Bristol recently for a fantastic discussion uh, with, uh, with a group of members and we've got our meeting in Manchester coming up uh, uh, on the 11th of May and our meeting in Southampton on the 16th of May. So do get along to those. 
if you're local to that. And finally, I'm going to mention one more thing, and that's our annual conference online, of course, included in your membership subscription is attendance to that. That's on the 6th of July all day. Join from wherever you are. It's a cracking day of content with lots going on. So it's just a few things for you to get engaged with from the REC there uh, and just have a look online at rec.uk.com to book onto any of those uh, things. Now, let's turn to today's discussion, and I'm delighted to welcome uh, Chris Fletcher from the Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce. And uh, Chris is looking after the Greater Man Manchester Local Skills uh, Partnership, the LSIP, as its director and policy director. Chris, first of all, welcome to the REC podcast. Hi, Neil. Thank you very much for uh, for having me along. Now, tell me about the the Greater Manchester Chamber first and uh, first and foremost. Uh, lots of our members will be engaged with their local chamber, but I think for those who are maybe less engaged with with, with the local chamber, just understanding a little bit about what a big city chamber does would be a great place to start. Yeah, um, absolutely. We are uh, in Greater Manchester, the largest chamber of commerce in uh, in the country. We've got about four thousand. 200 businesses as members and between them they employ around about a third of the total workforce in Greater Manchester and, and within that membership we've got you know, sort of smaller sole traders right through to, to large multinationals and our job really primarily is about making sure that uh, our members can connect with uh, with each other. They can uh, identify opportunities to grow and develop their business. We also offer a range of uh, services and support elements to look at reducing bills and things like that. So it's all around, you know, we're not a business support organisation, but we support business and, and that's what it's about. And, and obviously in an area like Greater Manchester where you've got you know, a very devolved uh, local government. You've got an elected mayor in Andy Burnham, etc. We're also increasingly playing a, a, a more important part in looking at what the future direction is of, of Greater Manchester uh, with those new powers and uh, and all the rest of it that, that goes with it. So, you know, it is a, it's a bit of a different beast than what it was just a few years ago uh, without that now. And uh, I think, um, you know, there's a, there's a a lot of opportunity ahead and we've got to make sure that not just for our members but for businesses in Greater Manchester we can we can make the most of the opportunities for them. Yeah and I'm, I'm uh, no reason for RC members to know this but my one of my non-exec roles is with Manchester College and I've seen the kind of the power of the Manchester economy and uh, the levels of coordination that devolution has given uh, Manchester over the last uh, 20 years really uh, up close. And, and and one of the things about Manchester is that as a city and as a city region, this has been running for a long time. I mean, you could go as far back as the recovery from the Arndale yeah. bombing uh, yeah. to see that kind of a different style of of local leadership come out of Manchester, which sort of leads me to the, a question about the LSIP, which you are leading on for the chamber, um, because there have been kind of Manchester relevant skills plans in the past. What makes the LSIP different from some of those other plans? And why do you think it has a better chance of success than what's gone before? Yes, it's a good question, Neil. And um, when we started to work on on the local skills improvement plan, we, we you know, uh, Greater Manchester Chamber was uh, awarded the um, 
the status to lead on it um, August, September time last year. And when we got it and, and began to roll out some of the activity, people were saying, oh, it's another skill survey, you know, and we do enough of these and we've seen similar plans in the past and what what's different about this one? And it's a, it's a valid question we got asked. I think first and foremost, if you look at what the, 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 the LSIP is actually about and what its purpose is for, DFE have been quite clear on this and the saying it is really to help identify you know technical um fe post 16 skills training skills needs um in local areas that actually you know respond and address what the local labor market needs in other words you know what businesses are saying are areas in in demand when it comes to to skills we've got to look at those put them in in the right context and also work with providers to make sure uh, they they get addressed so i think that's that's a pretty familiar sounding uh, ambition really in in what we've seen over the last couple of years there's a couple of things we're doing differently and again you know there's 36, 37, I think, LSIPs throughout England. Uh, so it's not just in Greater Manchester. But, but a couple of things around it this time. What we're wanting to do in Greater Manchester is to focus on the 10 local areas first and foremost and then aggregate up into a Greater Manchester uh, picture rather than starting at the top level and trying to filter things down. We want to really find out what is actually happening in each of those uh, local labour market areas. So that's slightly different because we sort of put it on its head a little bit. Um, so there's a different way that we're, we're doing these things rather than just going in at the top level and uh, and just coming up with that Greater Manchester picture. The second bit is, uh, is I think, that there is from government a bit more willingness and a bit more firepower being put behind the LSIPs uh, than there has previously. If you look back at the Skills and Post-16 Education Act that came in a, a year ago, you know, the LSIPs are mentioned in that. Um, if you're involved with um, local colleges, uh, you'll know that, for example, the accountability agreements uh, are, are a pretty hot topic at the present moment in time. Mm-hmm. And of course, they've got to refer and relate to what's in the LSIP. So you've got another element there that's come into it into the importance. Ofsted have started their enhanced inspection regimes and one of the questions now they're asking the colleges is what are you doing to address you know local skills issues in, in the local areas. I've been involved in two um, inspections. I'm involved in another one in, in the next couple of weeks with the local colleges. So you know there is a there is an extra bit that's been added on there from the point of view of Ofsted and what the colleges are doing. But I think you know the bit certainly and this is very great to manage to specific uh, is around the devolution deal and the fact that you know there is going to be um, a significant change you know some of that is developed and delivered in Greater Manchester and the LSIP is named in in the deal itself that came out from government so there's a lot riding on this and there's a lot more actual purpose I think been identified for the LSIP than maybe some other skills plans in the past um, so you could say the pressure's on a little bit more, which is great uh, and no problem with that. But it's also good then as well for making sure that people understand that and it's actually been useful in getting a little bit more uh, of a response from people rather than just a shrug of the shoulders and here we go again, it's another skill survey. Yeah, I think that's really, um, really powerful. I mean, I recall uh, years ago talking to the the HRD of a of a big firm who hadn't got involved in a government program and was being upbraided for not getting involved. And the answer, of course, was, well, it doesn't actually do what I need it to do. So why would yeah. I do that and not pay for something else that did what I needed to, needed to do? So I think that level, you know, what you describe 
uh, Chris, is uh, something that needs quite a bit of integration. And even at kind of city level or uh, expanded city level, there's um, there's a lot of work to do to get the ELSIP pulled together. And maybe that's kind of highlighted by the fact that you've identified that there's a bottom up element of this in terms of the part the parts of the city. Um, which I absolutely re recognise. I remember years ago when I was on the Low Pay Commission, people in the run-up to the Scottish referendum were saying, oh, look at the difference in average pay between uh, the East End of Glasgow and the West End of London in terms of understanding incomes. And you sat there and you went, well, actually, why don't we have a uh, look, look at the difference in average pay between the East End of Glasgow and the northern suburbs of Glasgow because the gap yeah. is just as just as big and the needs vary differently within within the city so in terms of the work you're doing now clearly need varies quite widely in the different areas i think economic planning also varies quite differently so your classic example in manchester would be to look at salford keys and the work that's yep. been done on kind of broadcast and production around there how do you how far have you got in kind of doing that stitching together of it all so far? We're we're about to to make the final push on that. To to be quite honest, a lot of the work we've done uh, up to now has been you know speaking to businesses, a lot of work with the local colleges and gathering that data. But underpinning all this and running along in the background, you know, our research uh, team has has been looking at those growth areas um, because it's no use doing something that's going to address the problems now and and solve things as, as valid as that is we've got to be looking five ten years uh, further down the line you know you'll see jobs that exist now will be completely different then and we've also got to look at what those um opportunities are like media city in salford whereby you know you will know that where you've got incoming businesses particular sectors particular employers even there will be different skills demands once those businesses look to set up in in those areas there's something going on at the present moment in time in, in the north of greater manchester called atom valley which is sort of uh, advanced manufacturing materials there's all sorts of uh, expectations around you know a very sort of technical advanced manufacturing hub being uh, coming together across rochdale alderman berry we're still trying to work out you know what exactly that's going to look like but the challenge there is to make sure that the building, you know, it's not built and then you work out what your skills needs are. We need to know in advance and then the providers can actually begin to make sure that they're going to supply that pipeline of talent for people to go and work there. So we're in the middle of assessing all that, working with the local authorities, working closely with the combined authority to, you know, find out where those hotspots are going to be, what the key sectors are going to be, and also the direction of growth as well, where you've got, you know, the digital and creative sector is hugely important in Greater Manchester. Where does that go to? Uh, but also not forgetting some of the more uh, fundamental elements of the economy around health, social care, hospitality, things like that, because you will still need people to be recruited into those sectors as well. So it's a mix between the what they call the frontier sectors, the exciting high level, high value stuff, the foundation uh, economy, but working out using that local area uh, mechanism where those key points are going to be over the next five to ten years and then we can start to plan ahead for it.
there's obviously a role for recruitment and staffing specialists in that in terms of sharing data and yep. uh, helping both the LSIP and the devolved uh, GMCA understand the pattern of demand. I remember sitting with Andy Burnham with a group of REC members uh, just before the pandemic and where he was saying, you know, you guys are critical to making a success yep. of this. And I think that that's an opportunity, I think, for our sector and other I, 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 and other relevant businesses in in Greater Manchester to uh, to feed in. I mean, yeah. you, you've described a process which you know isn't quite, you kind of you haven't pressed the big green button on everything yet, but it's starting to stitch together. Um, looking at the path so far, what surprised you? Uh, for good or for a challenge in the work you've been doing in pulling together this for the Greater Manchester? There's a couple of things. One one of the um, early sort of findings that came out um, was on the back of the survey. We asked um, 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 employees, and by the way, we're working right across the piece. It's not just chamber members in, in, in this. We are going further afield and working with with um, with, with a, a huge range of businesses. We, we asked a question around, um, you know, if you're recruiting, uh, do you find that you've got, you know, skills problems, skill shortages in, in the people that, are, uh, that, that you're recruiting in candidates and, and people new into roles? And it was something like about 70% of, of businesses replied saying, yes, we, we have a skill shortage issue uh, uh, around that. Um, and then we asked the question further in the survey around, you know, is your current workforce, has your current workforce uh, got the required skills, you know, that you need now and for the future? Uh, and funnily enough, 70% of businesses replied saying, yes, our workforce is is skilled up. We, we, we've not got a problem there. So there's obviously some skill shortage problem appearing somewhere. Uh, and what we came to the sort of conclusion of and, and dug into it a little bit more is that some employers uh, associate skill shortages just when they're recruiting people. Yeah. In their mind, they feel that their existing workforce, their current, you know, their employees that they've got are skilled to the level that they're satisfied with. Uh, and they just made that assumption that it's it's recruitment that there are these skills problems. But then when you dig into that a little bit further and you look at some of the other responses you're getting from people around, well, we need people with business leadership um, uh, skills. You know, we need people that are, have got the knowledge to make sure that the, you know, new equipment, new processes that we're bringing in, you know, we're getting, we're maximising that. So actually your current workforce doesn't have the right skills now. And it's, it's just this sort of assumption, I think, in people's minds where we get it. But to see the results like that and, and begin to dig into it and see it written down is, is sometimes quite uh, quite stark, really. Um, we always felt as well that um, you know soft skills and this whole idea about people not being work ready, which I, I think is a nonsense. Uh, to to be quite honest, I don't yeah, think yeah. anybody's I don't think anybody's work ready from day one. I wasn't, you know, and and I don't think some of the people that use that phrase were work ready on day one in in the job anyway. Anyway. I digress. Um, I don't think you but, digress too far, yeah. Chris. I think that's an no. important point because it's linked to your previous point, which yeah. is, uh, 
you know, you learn how to operate in the labour market by being in the labour market. So some of what we do as employers and as recruiters is about get, helping people navigate things. You know, I always, I always try to avoid the phrase work ready because actually schools and colleges have a different job to employers when it comes to development. And maybe that point and that mindset is linked to what you said before about my yeah. current staff are okay. There's something yeah. here about that big challenge on productivity that the UK's faced and whether we're actually doing the ongoing development of people to remain work ready when once they're in our workplaces. And I, I, I think the the local discussion about that and engaging employers with that and building up greater commitment to ongoing investment by uh, companies in this is yeah, as a win-win for the local economy and for the companies themselves yeah. feels to to me to be really really important yeah and the um yeah right at the heart of that is um is this uh challenge about you know how do you make sure everyone plays their role and that's where kind of localism comes in because yeah. it's always easier to say no to the guy from the the faceless guy from central government than it is to the business who in your across the road who's doing their bit yeah yeah and, and it, it is that point there is this sort of mindset that permeates and and it, it sort of emphasizes some of these things we, we've identified you know when you 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 look at it and you, you you begin to see it and you can see it in action and you think oh this something needs to happen to to begin to change some of this um so yeah the 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 the, the soft skills bit was always um, we, we we felt was going to be important, but we, we've also been quite challenging with people where they've said, "Oh, it's soft skills." We tried to actually define that uh, much clearer because sometimes it's just used as a bit of a catch-all. You know, that oh, soft skills are, are, are you know a weak or or whatever it may well be. But there's certain elements of that that you can sort of you know allocate to certain job roles certain sectors or, or whatever it may well be so we try to break that down a little bit more and do something about it uh, but when you've got people responding saying you know soft skills lacking include you know common sense well i'm, I'm not quite sure what what you do about things like that but there's others you can do something about you know uh, customer service for example customer handling um, management of own time things like that that you can start to do something with and the other one that was um that that it's not surprising, but but what is surprising in some of the examples that are being used uh, is around digital skills. And when you look at somewhere like Greater Manchester and people say digital skills, people think, oh, you know, software developers and coders and, and this, that and the other. Well, there is that element, but actually we're seeing more and more. And from interviews we've done with businesses, that digital skills bit sits right across absolutely everything. You know, it's a it, it, it's horizontal rather than vertically. Mm -hmm. It goes right through absolutely everything. And there is this um, element around um, basic uh, IT skills and, and, and basic digital skills. I was speaking to somebody uh, who said, you know, some of the young people that they have coming through on, on some courses, they struggle um, to uh, accept uh, meeting requests on Outlook. They can use a software package, they can do it, but they can't use basic sort of office functional um, things like that. And, and that's part of the issue whereby you've got people that you could say have got high technical skills but the functional bit of that is is missing as well so we need to start to do something around making sure that 
primarily young people in this in that instance understand that there is you know this is this is the type of stuff you do in a work setting uh, but then obviously i also got you know at the the opposite end of the uh, the employment spectrum there you know um you know more more experienced workers um healthcare is a, is a great example whereby more and more um, of that is being delivered through mobile devices and you've got people that maybe have never used that in a work setting before so you've got these big chunks of, of um, uh, gaps beginning to appear around something that is such a broad area as you know digital skills it, it, it's, it's proving to be you know one of those big areas that needs quite a bit of work uh, looking at them so there's nothing that we've sort of sat down and gone Goodness me, that's a surprise. And when we've been discussing some of the results with the colleges, nobody sort of turned around going, that doesn't make sense, or where's that come from? But when you see it and you begin to understand it in the context of a workplace, then you begin to get some idea about the scale of, of what's actually needed, you know, to put some of these problems right. Well, and of course, um, doing it at the kind of greater Manchester level, means that you can create some economies of scale yeah, where absolutely. Like small firms with maybe one person who needs some support will struggle to find to get that service but if you've got a bunch of 15 firms in that particular part of the city who all have one person well that's a classroom yeah. um, and and you can start to uh yeah, address shortages and 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 uh, and reduce costs for employers that way, but it's yeah. all based on employers getting involved. Um, I mean, oh, the absolutely. One, the one thing that sort of I'm left with is this sense that clearly, you know, the GM Chamber of Commerce has been given uh, uh, the lead role in pulling this together. But that's that's one hand, and the other hand is, as you've already mentioned. Uh, Andy Burnham, the Greater Manchester Devolution deal, the plan for an integrated technical skills city. How do, how do the two fit together? And the two fit together really well, and we're we're seeing this as a as a really good opportunity because um, the LCIP itself, uh, you know, is is something different, and and the the depth of detail that we've gone into this and the the. Uh, partnerships we've built up with people and getting people to support it is, is, has been really, really good. I think the fact that at that city region combined authority level now and with somebody like uh, Andy Burnham as mayor that, that, that has, has put this idea together of this sort of integrated uh, technical skills city region and that's been recognised in the devolution deal, that's a perfect vehicle for actually quickly enacting some of the priorities and recommendations uh, and some of the short, uh, some of the areas where we've got shortfalls that we've identified in the LSIP. I, I, I would imagine some areas that don't have that deal and, and nothing similar to it, that they will end up with, with activities and priorities and, and maybe then just have a little bit of a, a pause to try and work out what's the best mechanism, the route to actually enact some of that. Together, working with the combined authority, the Mers office, uh, and that wider city region bit, we've got you know all the will be vehicles in place very shortly that we can use to start to deliver some of the findings that we've got from the LSIP. Um, you know, some of that we won't have to go down to Whitehall to sort of talk through with with officials or whatever because certain powers 
uh, will be devolved to 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 Manchester. So I think we're in a we're in a great position. If you're going to do something like this, then you also need the corresponding powers and ability to put them in into action. And I think in Greater Manchester, we've got a real it's a uh, it's the coming together of of, of a you know, perfect timing, really. I guess with um, the ability to do it, and you know the fact we've got some really good data and uh, a lot of interest in this as an issue. We put those two together, uh, and I think it's quite potent actually what uh, what what we could do with this. Um, so it, it works together. Um, and I know that the, the mayor himself is very keen to see what the LSIP uh, says when we get it done uh, at, at the end of May. But obviously, we're working closer with his team and, and the combined authority now to make sure that we can take advantage of that. This is too good an offer, a too good opportunity to miss. You know, if you're going to be dealt a, a good deck, of, a good hand, uh, a, a good hand of cards or whatever, it would look pretty much like what we've got at the present moment in time in Greater Manchester. Um, you know, good people, great opportunity, and we've also done a, a substantial piece of work that, that backs that up. Um, so hopefully we'll uh, we'll use that to our, our best advantage. Chris, that's great. And look, um, I think it's incredibly powerful how this local leadership on delivery can really cut through some of the uh, some of the confusion of government, uh, central government policy on skills, and also hopefully over time we'll be able to address some of the challenges with the apprenticeship levy and, and loosen up more of that money to flow to local priorities sponsored by local businesses in Greater Manchester. Yeah. So it's a really kind of a, a hopeful vision and uh, Manchester's led the way on this for over 20 years now and hopefully other areas of the country will follow. If people who've listened in on this, maybe they're uh, based in the city, uh, want to read up a little bit more, get more involved with the work of the LSIP and the Greater Manchester Chamber, where can they go? Okay, we've got a website set up just to, to look at the LSIP. Uh, it's www.gmlsip.com co.uk uh, if they want to email me I'm quite happy with that it's chris.fletcher at gmchamber.co.uk Chris thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today that's been a fascinating discussion Good. thank you very much and thank you to all of you for listening to this episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. If you've enjoyed this uh, locally focused skills action today, uh, this is a partner episode to uh, to episode six for 2023 with Dr. Fiona Aldridge uh, from the West Midlands Combined Authority on how these kind of local skills programmes can benefit communities and businesses. So do uh, dig into that uh, and uh, and uh, double your enjoyment of the kind of skills revolutions that devolution might might be able to drive for our economies and addressing our, uh, our candidate shortages. Or if you want something uh, a little bit different, the last episode, episode seven of 2023 with Sarah O'Connor, the FT's industrial correspondent, really interesting on how technology is changing the workplace, on employer well-being, and a particular focus on uh, maybe uh, 
temps working in those uh, blue collar sectors like logistics, where technology is involved in their working life every day in whole new ways. And that's a fascinating listen in terms of the pressure that's coming onto the sector from outside. So a couple of uh, suggestions there for you to dig into if you're not quite sated with po uh, a podcast action yet. Uh, but uh, before we finish, just thank you again from me for uh, tuning in today. Hope you've enjoyed the discussion and I'll talk to you again on Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Thank you for listening today. I hope you took away some valuable thoughts from this discussion. If you'd like to hear more, head to rec.uk.com forward slash Talking Recruitment or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Simply search Talking Recruitment to find us.